give God thanks, Pastor PJ and all of our youth. We are joining millions of believers around the world and we are commemorating what we have come to know as Passion Week. We are looking back at the last week in the life of Jesus and we as a congregation believe that this ought to be a triumph celebration of who Christ is, what Christ did, and that we are to rise up to new levels and declare boldly and openly what Jesus means to us. Yesterday, there was a tremendous uh, outreach into Rosemont. We had some four, almost 400 families, over 20, gave their lives to Christ. And uh, God... Uh, uh, there were healings, and God used all those Easter eggs to draw a crowd, and then Christ was lifted up. So uh, thank Pastor Kenneth, Andrea, and all of our workers. Come on, let's thank the Lord for them. In commemorating this special week, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, we will be having uh, fasting and prayer, noon prayer meetings. Wednesday night is an extraordinary evening called One Night. We focus tremendously on uh, allowing Christ to speak to us of the importance of the cross. And Friday at noon, 12 to 1, I'll be here. And then Easter Sunday, it's going to be an incredible, incredible week. Well, we use this word passion and in the Greek, the word passion actually means suffering. It is this last week in the life of Jesus that we take note of his suffering, but his suffering was with purpose. And we're looking this morning at this passage in Matthew and picking up where Jesus tells a couple of his leaders to go into some villages. And in Matthew 21, beginning with verse number one, in the ESV translation, verse one, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately you'll find a donkey and a colt with her. Tie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you just say, Lord, the Lord needs them, and he'll send, and he will send them at once. Kind of an unusual morning assignment. So I want you guys, see that village over there? Once you go in there, you see a donkey and a colt. Uh, just go up and take it. And if somebody says something, like maybe the owner, you just smile and say, <clears throat> the Lord has need of it. 
I don't recommend you go to Target or Macy's and take a dress and then look at the clerk and says, the Lord has need of it. And so they do what Jesus said. And it's interesting that in the bigger picture, Jesus is making them a part of his story. And they bring back this donkey. And in fact, they didn't even understand that they were going to be a part of the fulfillment of a prophecy. Because this was not incidental or not random. It was in this great plan of our Heavenly Father for Him to do things not in our way, but in His way. And then we, we take note here in verse number five, and that's where it says, and this was a prophecy that was given to Zechariah 500, like 500 years before, which is a long time for a prophecy to actually manifest itself. But Zechariah prophetically spoke, and this is what he wrote down. And he said, say to the daughter of Zion, which means the people living in Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. I like that king. Say that king. No matter what it looks like, no matter how you're being intimidated, no matter how dim everything looks, well, the king, we sang about it, the king, say it, the king, the king is coming to you. Humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Now, kings come with pomp and circumstance. They came with chariots. They came with an entourage and they came declaring, in essence, how great they were. And it's interesting, and no matter how many times you look at this, you can't really grasp how off the chain it is that actually the king came on this colt, not in a Maserati, not in a Ferrari, you would think he should have had the right to really come with what we could consider class, like something of pomp. There's no pomp, just a colt. Are you still here? And a colt who had never been ridden before. And so these guys come with the colt. They put some clothing on the colt. And then something strange begins to happen. And the Bible says in verse number eight, most of the crowd and theologians, this shocked me, 
said that there was probably hundreds of thousands of people. Passover was going on. But like Jerusalem like is stacked with this massive number of people. And the Bible says they spread their cloaks on the road. They cut, others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And John, in chapter 12, verse 13, he says specifically the branches were palm branches. Maybe that's why we call this Palm Sunday. And verse 9, read it with me together. And the crowds, let's try that again. Verse 9, Sunday morning, Palm Sunday Turn to somebody, see if they're really awake this morning. We don't want to lose anyone. Now, it's Sunday morning, it's verse number nine. And uh, how many have actually a voice? You came with your voice. And I realized that there are some. Anyway, verse nine, let's read it. Every word is inspired, it's the word of God. And let's get pumped this morning. Verse nine, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So they were not meek and quiet. And they were not religious. And I'm sure that many of them were happy. And the Bible says that they had need, really, to shout. Now, if you're a mother and have children, you know when the time is to shout. How many mothers are here? How many, any mothers here? You don't need something on the wall that says, shout right now. How many know you know when the shout should come? Praise God. Well, Jesus was coming. He was not coming as simply a good teacher. He wasn't coming simply to do miracles. It says here they were crying out and they said, Hosanna to the son of David. The son of David is a term, a messianic term that in essence, they're not declaring that he is just someone. They are declaring that he is the Messiah. Remember, Often, they wanted him to come to Jerusalem. He said, I'm not doing it. But on this day, sovereignly, by heaven, now Jesus is coming. And he comes as a king. And he comes, as the Bible says here, the son of David, the Messiah. And it called for a response from the crowd. They didn't give out brochures. They didn't put up signs. The Bible says they started to use their voice. And they started to shout and say, Hosanna in the highest, which means rescue me or save me. And they were giving praise and honor to the king, Jesus, and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And you can see on this picture, there's a crowd and they are excited about the fact that Jesus, the king, is coming and he is fulfilling the prophecy, the prophecy of, of Zechariah in the name of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So on this morning, I have come to celebrate. Ladies and gentlemen, I have come to celebrate. We have not come to talk about you. We have not come this morning to talk about me. We have not come for some kind of a ritual. Well, it is Palm Sunday, and we should. No, we have come to have raw, spontaneous usage of the one voice that sometimes we shouted our kids a blessing but on this day, we're not shouting to our kids a blessing. We are shouting to the king. We're not shouting to the government. We're not shouting to things. We are shouting to the king, and we are acknowledging that he not only came then, because if it's only looking back, it really doesn't have an impact, because we only believe it when we understand what happened, should happen now because the king has come and he is here this morning and he is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Now, on that day, the king had need of a cult. But I wonder what it is that you need and I need to offer up to the Lord in the midst of our praise, sandwiched in on this day. And sometimes we have to intentional, intentionally offer up our pain everybody has pain, and we can't keep pain to ourselves. In fact, pain will distort everything in your life. We have to offer sometimes up our suffering and offer up our confusion because every one of us have days or times when everything is out of focus and blurry. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are, Confusion is a part of everything. And we have to stand up and in our circumstance know that God is in control. And when God is in control, it doesn't mean everything is perfect. It just means he's in control and there are a lot of things going on. Can someone say yes? But just because there are a lot of things going on, it doesn't mean we're not in God's will. Because sometimes when it's most chaotic, you're right in the center of what he has planned for you. Jesus had need of a cult, and maybe Jesus needs us to offer up all of these things to him. And what, is, what does that mean? Offer up. It is intentionally 
letting go. It starts with a thought. I think I'll let this go. I have a tendency to hold on and let it drive me crazy. And I'm learning more and more to let some things go. I'm not letting them go to people. I'm letting them go to the king. Let go and let the king take over. Some of us here, you're so heavy. <laughs> you forgot how to laugh and your head's down. And probably you're just carrying too much. And on this day, you just need to, in the midst of your praise, is just let it go and say, I give up. And I let God, and I don't know what's going to happen. I can't do what I think I can do, but I'm going to do what I know God can do. And no matter what, on this day, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to praise the Lord, and I'm going to believe that God is using my suffering because everybody's suffering over something. And we're not talking about general suffering. We're talking about suffering with a purpose. That God is working everything for his good. And that he is working a fresh passion in us for Christ. It's interesting in the Webster Dictionary. If you study the word passion... There was a meaning of that word, and the meaning was suffering, but they stopped using that in 1755. But you don't have passion in anything without suffering, because you have to work out the stuff that needs to go that blocks your passion for Christ. My wife gets a lot of random calls from Madagascar, from France, from the country Georgia, and she told me about them, and then I started to get some. Anyone know what I'm talking about? No one? Were we the only? How many get random calls from the world? Okay, no one. Okay, we're chosen. She comes over to me, she says, Alex, look. Flips the thing, she says, block that call. Glory. So I've been blocking calls. Well, why don't you block what the enemy is trying to do to you? Why don't you block his call? Why don't you block what he's trying to do? How does he block us? The call of thoughts in our brain. And today, maybe we have to leave here and say, listen, listen, I am blocking the calls from around the world, and I'm blocking everything the enemy is trying to do in my life, and I'm not taking it any longer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, someone praise the Lord. 
You know, this, this account is in all the Gospels. I like what Luke writes. In verse number 37 of Luke 19, he says, As he was drawing near, Jesus, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for them, all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, just before this, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But the point of this is, they had a reason to shout Hosanna in the highest. And all of us have things that God has done for us. And sometimes we're so involved in the present chaos that we fail to mark what he has been doing in the past. And it's almost like we're not aware of what he is doing. I had something happen yesterday that was interesting. Judith and I flew to Dallas on Wednesday. My nephew's daughter was being married. And our family was gathering in Dallas. And so I was doing the wedding. We had a great time for a couple days, and yesterday morning, we're heading back to be here. And we arrive at the airport, and it looks like the end of the world, like the great seven-year tribulation. No planes are moving, tornado warnings. Our flight was canceled. And then a member of our team here got us on another plane and they kept making it later and later. And you know, being a person that doesn't worry, <laughs> I just rejoiced. Wish I could tell you that. But at one point, I put my, we were at a table, I put my head down, and I said a prayer when the crowd, I said, Lord, if Gideon prayed and the sun stopped, and if Moses prayed and the Red Sea changed, God, clear this weather, help, help me. I'm not Gideon, but do something. And then it got worse. Because most of the time, how do you know when you pray it gets worse? Do I have the right crowd here this morning? Sometimes I think I have a group of angels here that, that I live in a different world. So you pray, it gets worse. And then I kept walking, and in Jesus' name, I'm going to preach this morning. I, I, uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to preach. Praise God, and it got worse. And then the plane that was going to come to pick us up was diverted to... Uh, a city in Tulsa, and then they couldn't get out because then the storm hit Tulsa. However, ladies and gentlemen, 
late last night. A plane did arrive from Dallas, and, and Judith and I were on it. And I'm thankful that God answers prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Hosanna in the highest. Say it, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Say it again, Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bible says they were, they got their palm branches. Remember in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, the Bible says that we are going to be in heaven one day with millions and millions of believers. And guess what? Around the throne, we're gonna be lifting our palm branches to the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And maybe you need to lift a palm branch in your situation and let him ride into your situation and know that what you can't do, he can. And what you don't understand, he does. And what you're trying to do is be in control. But he says, I'm control. It just doesn't look like it. And I keep hearing that again and again, that he is in control. Don't second guess yourself. Just because you moved to Florida and everything got worse, that doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Sometimes we think if something goes wrong, I'm out of the will of God. No, you're probably in the will of God something went wrong. And you need to lift a palm branch to the Lord this morning and decide that you're going to praise God. You're going to lift a shout of praise unto the Lord God Almighty. You are going to be like these people. They are praising God. They are not reticent. They are not silent. They are not just sitting there or standing there like they're in a stadium watching this thing happen. They are participating. And the Bible says here, it says that the whole multitude of his disciples, don't think these are just people that only wanted Rome to take over. No, look what it says here. It says the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. And the last verse, verse 40 says, if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. And you've got to lift up a praise to him in the middle of your circumstance. And it doesn't mean you have to feel anything. Sometimes we think, if I feel it, I'm going to do it. You're never going to do anything. I get up here and preach, and it doesn't matter. I almost didn't go to bed last night, but I said, I'm showing up. I'm going to show up. And sometimes you just show up, and God shows off. You just begin to praise the, God, praise the Lord because he wants to ride into your situation, whatever it is. He wants to come into the situation. You don't think your marriage is gonna make it. You don't think your kids are gonna make it. You don't even believe that you're gonna make it. And you gotta stand up sometime when everything is foggy and understand he is in control. 
you are in his will and you begin to praise him, you begin to magnify his name, you begin to glorify his name because he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I will not allow a rock. I will not allow a rock to speak for me and praise the Lord. I'm gonna praise God. I don't care what is happening in my life. I'm gonna lift my hands. I was on the plane. I was on the plane Late last night, I was praising God. I was praising God. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to bless him. Now on the plane, I'm sitting there, I'm praying, and I put my hands up. She, Judy said, Alex, put your hands down. <laughs> Always someone. Anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. We need to raise our hands more. You say, I'm an introvert. Well, become an extrovert. Just begin to shout and begin to praise him because he is the king of glory. The Bible says in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. This is describing them bringing in this Ark of the Covenant and they, they were saying, now, wait a minute. We're bringing into the temple or the tent, the tabernacle. We're bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the power and the presence of heaven, of the King of glory. And what they said was, let's get these doors open. Let's get, get, let's get these gates pushed back. And let's allow the king of glory to come in. Now, there's a truth in this passage. Because now, things have changed. Then, the temple was really the only place where the presence of God was. You had to run into the temple, and there was the presence of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen... We are the temple. And now, he, the king of glory, is living inside of us. Hallelujah. The king of glory is living inside of us. And you see, there is something about the presence of the king of glory in you, but there's also what is known as the manifestation that's when there is a manifestation that happens in conjunction with the king of glory that is residing in you. And so now, hallelujah, the Bible says, who is the king of glory? Who is this exactly? And the Bible says, Read it with me. Who is this king of glory? 
The Lord strong and mighty. Say it again. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord. And what he is saying is the king of glory is here. And the king of glory has a dynamic. And the dynamic is that he is strong and he is mighty. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that the king of glory, the king of glory, the Lord, is mighty in battle. We're not looking at that generically, but I want you to think of the battle you're in because every single person that's here, there's a battle, and if you're not in a battle, you're not trying to do anything. I'm in a battle Every time I walk up here, I am in a battle because I have an enemy that doesn't want me to say what the king of glory wants me to say. So when I stand up here, I've got to know this is not Alex Clattenburg. I've got to know the king of glory is living inside of me and the king of glory has come to our meetings And he is strong, and he is mighty, and he says here is mighty in the battle. But if you don't know he's mighty, you're going to find out that the devil is mighty, and you're going to be stationary, incarcerated, because you didn't know he's mighty. And you don't have to feel he's mighty. In fact, a lot of times, I feel tremendously weak. And when I feel weak, I say to myself, I'm feeling weak. But the Bible says, let the weak say they're strong. In fact, when you feel weak, that's a good sign. That means you're going to have to rely on the king of glory. He is mighty in battle. On this morning, on this morning, on this Palm Sunday, When we are lifting up praise and we are lifting up our palm branch of praise into our situation, we are not diffident, we are not hesitant, and we are not reticent, but we are intentional. And we are rising up today and understanding He is mighty, He is strong in battle. And we can praise his name. And I believe this morning there will, be, there will be healings and signs and wonders. And there will be things that will happen that should not happen in the natural. There are people came in here and you are defeated. And we all are defeated at some point. It's not bad you're defeated. That's why you came this morning. We all get fired up. Because some mornings... You're down and somebody's up and then it's vice versa. So the enemy has a major and his major is defeat me and defeat you. And where does he defeat us? In the battle. But today, irrespective of your battle, we are saying, I'm going to lift my branch, my palm branch to the Lord. And I am not going to, I'm not going to let the rock The rocks cry out. 
I'm going to praise him. And I believe as we begin to praise him this morning and we go back to understanding that this is all about the presence of the Lord. It's about inviting his presence, the king of glory. Because what makes the difference in these kinds of meetings or in your small group or wherever you're serving, what makes the difference is his presence. And when the Bible says he's the king of glory, it actually means that he dispenses who he is. I can't describe his glory. I only know that when he shows up, Thursday night, I always take communion right before I write my message. Often I kneel down, I hold up the communion. I'm sitting there, I'm getting ready to write. I take the bread, take the cup. And there's one of these holy moments. I said, oh my goodness, the king of glory is in my study. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So we're just going to praise him. And I'm believing that there will be miracles. There'll be signs and wonders. And that this precipitates the most outstanding move of God in our church. Someone reminded me this morning as we came in, they said, you know, this is our anniversary. I said, really? Yes. Started this church on Palm Sunday. 29 years ago. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. No one leave. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Come on, let's begin to bless him.
I feel like, I know we're all in a, in a battle, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, there's some that are in a battle. You, it's necessary for you to just get out of your chair and maybe just stand here and make a statement to the enemy that, and sometimes we don't feel anything. That doesn't mean God's not moving. Sometimes you have to take a stand. Yes, you, do. you just come up and you stand. I, re I remember after my wife died and I was going through a lot and I was at a conference and I've told this story and I was in the back seat and I didn't feel anything. All these pastors were getting fired up and about 10 o'clock I just came and I said, I'm getting touched by God tonight and most of the people were left and I went up and I knelt down and I didn't feel anything. It's terrible not to feel something everybody does. I hate it. And I said, I'm gonna stay here till midnight. And they kept singing the same song a hundred times and all heaven came down on me. Cause I got out of my chair cause it doesn't mean if you don't feel anything, you're coming. Okay, who needs to come? I don't know. Please don't come unless the Holy Spirit says, go up there and make a statement in your battle. Is there anyone? Oh, we already have three here. Is there anybody else? Well, just wait a second. You just gotta take a stand. Husband and wife, take a stand together. Don't let your wife go or your husband. You need to take a stand. Just walk up here and say, I'm not gonna be defeated. I'm not gonna be defeated. I'm not, I'm not going down. <laughs> I don't care what the devil's trying to do. I'm not going down. I know I'm in the middle of Hades, but I'm not going down. Just come up, come up close here. Watch, not only God is seeing this, the enemy sees your determination. Again, you don't have to feel anything. You just take a stand and say, I'm, it may look like I'm surrounded, and we may sing this a thousand times, and you need to come, just take a stand here, families, husband, wife, kids, whoever, and just stand, just stand. That's all you're gonna do, come all the way up. Some more people are standing here. It may look like I'm surrounded, and lift your hand. I like to lift my hands, especially when I don't feel anything. Hallelujah. That's it.
I'd like everyone to look up for a moment. All of you that are in front, look at me for a moment. Feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that I'm releasing joy. I'm releasing laughter. And what you have done this morning is you're letting go. And you're letting the King of Glory take over. It's His battle. We just obey in His battle. That heaviness that you came with is leaving. Go out here and buy somebody a coffee and start laughing and step out into your strength, which is joy. My strength comes in joy. Hallelujah. Say it. My strength comes in joy. Say it again. My strength. Say it louder. My strength comes in joy. Now, let everything go that's holding you back. You're worrying about your kids. Let them go. Let them go. Start. Some of you here this morning, you're not living. Let it go. And no matter what they do, you're going to get up in the morning, get your coffee and your Bible and say, praise God, God is good. Anyway. And maybe you're here in this service. And we... Never end our service without giving people an opportunity to be forgiven of sin. This cross reminds us that Christ took our sin. If you're in the front, just wait just a moment, if you would. On the cross, Christ took our sin and our sickness. And all we do is come to him and ask him to be forgiven. He has already pardoned us. It's to no effect in our life until we ask him because our will is holy. Minute, I'm going to count to three. You say, listen, I need to be forgiven my sin. Pray for me. (laughs) Well, Jesus will do it. He'll take away your guilt, your condemnation, and your shame. Hallelujah with one decision and one prayer. And maybe you knew God, you're disconnected. You need to kind of come back in and say, Jesus. So I'm gonna count to three, if that's you, just throw up your hand, say, pray for me, I wanna be forgiven. One, two, three, put up your hand, say, that's me. Where are you? Yes, yes, right here. Come on, just, yes, over there. Just like, put it up (laughs) yes we put our hands up a lot of times for the wrong things yeah I'll have that no this is the right this is the right thing just boy the devil hates this he does he'll let you surrender to everything and anything that looks good but today you're saying I defy you put up your hand you need to be forgiven put it up high I'm going to ask everybody right here in the front, too. I'm going to ask those 
that raised your hand to come, stand right here. Stand right here in the front. Yes, that's good. Right there. Right there. That's good. Who else? Come. Come. Say yes to Jesus. Anyone else? Who else? I want to be forgiven. We're going to pray right now. And then one of our pastors will take you to the back and give you a Bible. So let's, let's uh, say this prayer together. Give your life to Christ. Everyone say it together. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you. That you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he's alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Give me your grace. The gift of righteousness. And eternal life. If you prayed that prayer, you're in the family. Go with JT. Go with them. Come on, let's give the Lord praise.